You are listening to the Money Maps Podcast with Xerxes, an educational podcast on finances and planning. Here's your host, Xerxes Nabal. Hey everyone, we're up to episode five of the Money Maps Podcast with Xerxes. I am your host, Xerxes Nabal. This is your first time tuning in. My goal with this podcast is to provide financial education in ways I hope are easy to understand to help you make wise financial choices in life. The last episode was about understanding your current financial situation, which touched on having an emergency fund in place. So in today's episode, we're diving deeper into having an emergency fund, also known as a cash reserve. Why should you have one? If you don't already have a lump sum of cash, how do you build a reserve? How much of an emergency fund should you have and maintain? Say you have a healthy cash reserve already. Now what? Lots to go over. Let's get started. Emergency fund or cash reserve. You'll hear me say cash reserve at times, depending on the context of what I'm discussing. For matters of this podcast, I'm using emergency fund and cash reserve interchangeably, but you may notice why I'll use one term over another. An emergency fund. Why have it? Simple. It's for emergencies. The HVAC unit needs repair. Your car breaks down and needs work. You have to take an unexpected trip for an urgent family matter. I think it's safe to say that most people despise carrying any sort of debt, especially credit card debt. So having an emergency fund allows you to not use credit cards, money that you don't have now that you pay back with interest to cover expenses. In some cases, this emergency fund, or in this context, I'll say cash reserve, may serve as an investment opportunity, a down payment on a home, investing in a business, or if there's a great opportunity to buy an investment at an inexpensive price, you have the cash set aside to have these considerations. A cash reserve could also be a holiday gift, future vacation, or I'm going to buy something big because I want to fund. Situations, of course, vary, but in some cases, you may come into a lump sum of cash that can immediately build your reserves. Perhaps it's a substantial bonus paycheck from work. Proceeds from the sale of your home or property, receiving an inheritance, or you decided to sell a bunch of unwanted items and now you have a bunch of cash. In many instances, though, I find that people need to build an emergency reserve. How? Here are a few ways. One, automatic transfer. If you get paid on the 1st and 15th, or say every two weeks, set up an automatic transfer from your checking account to a savings account, ideally one that you're not going to spend a day or two after your paycheck hits your account. Two, Multiple accounts. Many employers and payroll companies allow for your paycheck to be distributed among multiple accounts. This alleviates the idea of seeing money hit your bank account one day and then subsequently seeing it go to another account. I hear this often. Once the money is in my checking account, I have it spent already. Much like a 401k contribution, taxes, and other payroll deductions, having money automatically deposited into a separate account, again, one that you're not going to freely spend, gives your reserve the opportunity to grow. Third, having a budget. Automatic transfers and having your income distributed to multiple accounts sound easy, but it's important to have a budget in place. You've heard me say in earlier podcasts, I am a fan of the 50-30-20 budget where half your net income is used for the absolute necessities in life, mortgage, rent, auto insurance, groceries, utilities, 30% is used for you to enjoy life and live in the moment, and 20% is saved. Having a percentage of income in mind, some portion, if not all, of your 20% number translated to a dollar amount makes it easier to set up automatic savings to your cash reserve. As for how much of a cash reserve to have, well, there are lots that can determine this. Things to consider. Is your income stable? Does it come consistently or does a considerable amount of your income come in windows, say in bonuses or commissions? Do you have a pension or collect social security payments or receive income from a trust? Do you have a high level of monthly expenses? What kind of emergencies can you anticipate? Things like, is your HVAC unit on its last leg? Do you need to replace your roof? Or is your family emergency travel for two people or five? For starters, I often like to see an emergency fund large enough to cover at least three months of living, ideally six months of living expenses. 
If you're in a world where your income fluctuates, isn't consistent, or you fear that a potential job change looms, having 12 months of expenses isn't a bad idea. $10,000 isn't out of the realm. $50,000 can be a healthy amount of cash to have set aside. When it comes to what you consider expenses, I would look at your net paychecks multiplied by 3, 6, or 12 months as your emergency fund goal. This is most likely a higher number than your expenses, assuming you spend less than what you earn, and allows for an additional cushion. Also, if you're tapping into your emergency fund due to loss of income, you have some period of time to maintain your current lifestyle and savings if you follow the 50-30-20 budget rule. If there ever is a loss of income, I've found that most people will cut back on some of their fund spending. Where this money sits or how it's invested, of course, please consult your financial professional on these specifics. As a general rule, up to six months of your expenses in a reserve are set aside in checking, savings, and any sort of interest-bearing accounts that you could access immediately. When having conversations with folks about investing their reserves in excess of six months of expenses, we look to investments that typically fit a lower risk profile but have the potential to yield higher returns than short-term bank or credit union instruments. Again, your financial professional can better direct you on where your emergency fund cash reserve is placed and invested when taking into consideration your entire financial picture. By now, you've figured out that an emergency fund or cash reserve allows you to cover your day-to-day expenses for a period of time if income stops, to use for unexpected expenses, or the part we haven't gone over yet, opportunities. Now that you've reached your cash reserve goal, what do you do? Continuing to add to it can give you a healthy and growing balance to look at these funds both as an emergency and for investment opportunities. It now becomes a change of mindset of first having money to get by, if needed, and now having cash to look for and seize opportunities. You can increase your retirement savings if you have yet to maximum fund these accounts. Sitting on cash can give you peace of mind and flexibility with regard to work options, starting a business, or in many cases that I've seen with clients in my experience as a financial advisor, retiring sooner. Having a healthy reserve fund, if you are gradually building it, frees up cash flow to consider paying down any debts, in particular a mortgage that I find most people want to get rid of. And if you happen to use these set-aside dollars to cover an emergency or take advantage of an investment opportunity, it's important that you come back to this podcast on getting your reserves back to where they need to be. In the end, an emergency fund helps you through the unexpected, and in some cases the expected, reduces the chances of having to go into debt, and we all know the stresses having debt brings, and to be in a position of choice, which typically gives us peace of mind, something I find that most of you listening to this podcast wants when it comes to finances. As simple as an emergency fund or cash reserve seems, it's often overlooked and certainly deserves some love when it comes to your big picture financial plan. I hope you found this podcast helpful. Need some help with sorting through the logistics of having, building, and maintaining an emergency fund? Interested in having your cash reserve work harder? Evaluating opportunities with some excess cash? Start a conversation. If you have a financial advisor, talk to him or her, or you could feel free to reach out to me. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to tune in for more episodes. Tell your friends and write your raving reviews because those reviews will help get more eyes finding me wherever podcasts can be found and, of course, more listeners. I sincerely appreciate your time, and I'll catch you on the next episode of the Money Maps Podcast with Xerxes. My next podcast will be about achieving financial balance, and then I'll go over a huge list of 70-plus things a financial advisor can do for you. Of course, if you're interested in a personal talk, here's how you can get in touch with me. Thanks again, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Now it's time for disclosures. First, should you have an interest in having a personal conversation regarding your individual situation, please get in touch with me by visiting www.wealthavenue.us and click on the Contact Us tab or email Xerxes, X-E-R-X-E-S, at wealthavenue.us.
By firm has a physical presence in the greater Phoenix metro, in particular Scottsdale, Arizona, and in the Hampton Roads region, Virginia Beach, Virginia, and we also service clients virtually with video chatting. Xerxes Nabong is a registered representative offering securities to United Planners Financial Services of America, member FINRA and SIPC. Wealth Avenue, my financial advisory practice and United Planners are not affiliated. Advisory services offered the United Planners Financial Services of America. Through my broker-dealer relationship with United Planners, I am not restricted to proprietary products and are free to draw on a wide variety of client-centric financial solutions. The information shared in this podcast is not intended to be financial, tax, or legal advice. Please consult your financial, tax, or legal professionals for specific information regarding your individual situation. The opinions expressed and material provided are for general information and should not be considered a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or insurance product.